know there are many stories of salvation in a room this size but no matter where we came from aren't you glad that what God saw when he looked at us was hope amen as we reflect on that this morning this morning let's just sing our love song back to God for who he is I can't forget I still remember the place you found me and I surrendered when your grace covered my shame and saw my need you gave me
everyone stand and lift your hands heavenward. Lift your hands up. Tell him how much you love him. Aren't you thankful for the boundless love of Jesus? Hallelujah. Everyone standing, God, we give you praise for your love. What can separate us from your love? Nor height, nor depth, nor any creature can separate us. You are the epitome of love, and you've extended that love to usward. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died for us. We thank you for your love, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Somebody just needs to know how much your heavenly Father loves you. God loves us. Everyone standing, turning to Judges 16. Judges 16. Today we're continuing with Midnight Part 4. It's a sermon series that... The Lord put in my heart, and uh, for this hour, I was going to conclude today with part four, but Monday during our fast, and by the way, we're asking everyone to fast one meal a day during this season of 90 days. So the special prayer going up, we're fasting one meal a day, but Monday, the Lord put a totally different message than what I was planning for today, and it is a midnight message. And you'll see as we work through several passages, beginning with Judges 16, but we hopefully will complete the series next Sunday uh, with part five, what I had planned to preach today. But today, Judges chapter 16, Judges chapter 16, verse 2 says, It was told the Gazarites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night saying, in the morning when it is day, we will kill him. And Samson lay till midnight. God woke him up at midnight because he had a rendezvous with death at daylight. The devil's planning to kill you at daylight. God's going to spare you at midnight. The devil has plans to destroy the divine destiny of God in your life at daylight. But God's going to reveal some mercy at midnight. Mm. 
Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight. Everybody say midnight. And took the doors of the gates of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of an hill that is before Hebron. You may be seated. At midnight, God does miracles. 11.59 on the clock is never too late for God to show up. Amen. Somebody say amen. Nineveh, our series in June, was at its midnight hour. And God shows up through the prophet Jonah. You know, part of that I never, I did not preach was how that Jonah was commissioned by God to stay right up till destruction. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Forty days, I'm going to wipe them off the map. You stay there and preach. And so I guarantee you Jonah's preaching was with a little passion. You folk need to get saved. You folk need to come out of your sin, turn to God. He didn't just go up there and, and for those 40 days right up till uh, uh, Nineveh's about to be destroyed, uh, just preach some, some uh, cozy up sermon and, and you're okay, I'm okay sermon. He preached, you need to turn to God and repent. I guarantee you the message was with some, uh, some passion because at midnight on God's calendar, Nineveh was going to be destroyed, and it was 40 days. They fasted, they prayed, they repented, and God spared Nineveh. That's why I believe 90 days of fasting and praying is important to America. I cannot tell you God's going to destroy America, but I do believe America is in her midnight hour. And I do believe fasting and praying uh, for our nation is more important. And I've come to stir it up in here. God spared Israel at the midnight hour from Egyptian slavery. At midnight, the death angel came through the land. At midnight, they marched out of Egypt. At midnight, they spoiled the Egyptians. Somebody, God's going to allow you some some finances, some blessings that are going to come at midnight. Amen. They spoiled the Egyptians. But it was important at midnight they stay under the covering of the blood. You need to stay under the blood at midnight. Acts 20, 16, 25, part two of this series. Paul and Silas are in prison. And a, a, a slave girl who was bound by spirits of divination... Uh, was, was set free from these evil spirits in the name of Jesus. So Paul and Silas are put in prison because of that deliverance that took place. Uh, let me just remind you, uh, friends, we want to... Her message was a good message. She was just being controlling and she was not being submissive and she was constantly harassing them with what was a positive good message because they were men of God come to tell of the right ways to God. But let me remind you, the Holy Ghost never interrupts the Holy Ghost. I'm going to come down and say amen to myself right there. I'm Pentecostal to the core. This is a Pentecostal church, but the Holy Ghost never interrupts the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Paul and Silas are thrown into prison and they sing praises in the midnight hour. I talked to you about the apostate church and I wanted to rehearse this for just a, a moment here. 
The Laodicean church was a lukewarm church. All seven churches in the book of Revelation, I believe, describe types of churches that will be prevalent at the coming of the Lord. And watch this. Laodicea, they were lukewarm. The church of Smyrna was known as a synagogue of Satan. Don't have your membership at Smyrna. The church of Pergamos was a church that was cursing Israel. You don't need your membership there either. The church of Thyatira was a church that was noted for having the spirit of Jezebel. Move your membership. Amen. The church of Ephesus had left her first love. The church of Sardis was not watching at midnight. Study it. The church of Philadelphia however, had a little strength, and Jesus says, I'm going to use them. Amen. He gives them all an opportunity to repent or he'll remove their candlestick. I just want to remind you, friends, it matters in these last days what church you belong to. The jailer was saved at midnight. His house was saved at midnight. The earthquake shook the prison doors open at midnight. There were some songs and prayer going on at midnight. And we need to connect with praising God in the midnight hour. Part 3, Acts 20, Paul preached at midnight. Eutychus falls out of the window. People are falling away, denying the faith, getting cold, backsliding on God. They're falling out of the window. And a Holy Ghost man comes down from the third loft when a man has fallen out of the window. I'm telling you, we've got to go after the missing. We've got to go after the prodigals. We've got to go after the wayward. We've got to go after Eutychus, who was among the believers, but he fell away. He fell out. The Holy Ghost wants to raise up some folk right now that will come down out of the third loft and throw yourself on somebody that's fallen out so that life can come back in them. You may know someone that's fallen out. It's time for you to go fall on them, embrace them, and get them back up in where the believers are. That's a good word for all of the church. Amen. Miracles happen at midnight. Miracles happen when time seemingly has run out. Miracles happen right before the deadline. Miracles happen when doctors have given up. Miracles happen at endpoints and crossroads. And you may be at one of those. And miracles are coming your way. Point number one today. Judges. Samson's midnight sin. Samson's midnight sin. Samson has gone to Gaza. This is the same area as the Gaza Strip that we know today. It was an area held by the Philistines. It was one of their five, five chief cities. And I want you to watch this. Chapter 14, verse 19, the Spirit of God comes upon Samson. He is anointed to be a judge. Before you had kings, before you had the prophets, you had judges. And they were spiritual leaders to lead the nation, to decree right from wrong, to bring deliverance to the people. And those judges served the nation and were to help keep the nation pointed towards God. I would to God that judges in America would understand their holy calling before a righteous God. Just because a judge deems it right 
doesn't mean it's right. Our justices have fallen into sin, and God takes note. Just because a judge tells you that you can do certain things, friends, the word of God is clear. Be careful. Our justices need to obey the word of God. Now, Samson is a spiritual leader, and I want you to watch this. He goes into Gaza because he's surveying the city, and he's going to take that city, and he's going to free Israel from the, 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 uh, the persecution of Gaza against Israel, and, and he's going to liberate them. But while he's there, it gets even time. And he lifts up his eyes, and he sees a harlot. I, I want to tell you, you may have some good thought process as to, buy, as to why you go to some places you go. But be careful that when you lift up your eyes, you're not seeing the work of the enemy trying to destroy you and drag you away. Samson lifts up his eyes and he sees a harlot and he goes home with her. Be sure your sins are going to find you out. For when the men of the city recognized Samson going into her house, they begin to spread it around the city. And throughout the city, they make it known, hey, Samson is at the home of the harlot. Samson's gone to her house. And the storyline shows us that they all waited in the gates of the city and they were waiting till morning time because they were going to kill Samson. You cannot cover your sins and prosper. Amen. You need to confess your sins. Repent of your sins. Samson goes to the home of the harlot and it is broadcast. Be careful. Your sins will be shouted from the housetops. Be careful what you cast your eyes upon. Men, guard your eyes. Women, Guard your eyes. Don't you come up in here, ladies, and start looking at these Holy Ghost preachers. Their wives will kill you. I got a Georgia wife. She will kill you dead. Take your eyes off and get your eyes on Jesus. These wives around here are armed and dangerous. They'll kill you and shout glory to God. <laughs> Quit your adultery. Quit your fornication. Stop your sinning. Get biblically married. Amen. God does not excuse Samson for his sin. God does not excuse spiritual leaders for their sin. I don't believe the church ought to put up with, 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 with judges or with pastors, with spiritual leaders doing things they ought not be doing. I, I believe, friends, there needs to be purity and holiness and godliness in the church. I need a little help. God doesn't excuse America's dad either. They compassed the city and they were ready to kill him. But God was with Samson even in his midnight of sin. God was merciful and God delivered. 
You can only play around with sin, though, to a point because it's a downward spiral. It's a downward fall. The same Holy Ghost that in chapter 14 came upon Samson, in this very chapter, after he leaves this deliverance and breakthrough uh, with this harlot, he goes to Delilah, and soon after, the Spirit of God leaves Samson. I, I want to tell you, friends, you can only play with sin for a, a certain amount of time, and then you'll wish not that the Spirit had departed. God is merciful, God is just, God is forgiving. And that's why at midnight, something awakened Samson. Because he had destiny calling his name at sunlight, at daylight. They were going to kill him. But the grace and mercy of God at the midnight hour shook Samson. You better wake up and you better come out of your sin. You better wake up and you better flee the house of this harlot. If the Congress passes a law that says prostitution is not wrong, it don't make it right. If they pass, pass a law that says this sin, that sin is right, it doesn't matter because the Word of God is still our highest authority. If they pass a law that says murder and dismemberment of babies is legal, God says stop it. Their blood is calling to me. At midnight, the Holy Ghost that was upon Samson, that even in his sin, awoke him and said, you better get out of Gaza. You got a place of higher calling. Get back up to Hebron. Gaza was at the altitude of sea level. Hebron was 3,200 feet. He needed to ascend. You need to come up and out and get up towards the things of God. Look at this. Study it out. The gates of the city were approximately 20 feet tall. Weighed 5,300 pounds. 5,300 pounds. A man in his natural strength could never bear a burden of 5,300 pounds. Much less he ripped them out of the walls. He took them out of the walls, shouldered them on his back, and Hebron is 36 miles up a steep grade. And so he shoulders all of this weight, 5,300 pounds for 36 miles, and he walks back home to Hebron. God will give you the strength to come out of your sin, but you got to confess your sin and know that he is faithful and just to forgive your sin. That's good preaching. Get up and get out. Put the gates on your shoulder of all that depravity, all that sinfulness, all of that waywardness, all of that self-righteousness, all of that religious spirit that's been upon you. Quit polluting the temple of God. Point number two. Go to Ruth chapter 3 verse 8. Another midnight. Ruth had a midnight redeemer. Chapter 1. Naomi is married, has a husband, has two adult sons, and they have wives. But in chapter 1, Naomi's husband dies. Her two sons die, leaving her her two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpha. Orpha decides to go back home 
to her own family to leave Naomi and Ruth. And so Naomi and Ruth head out to Bethlehem. You see, before this whole story began, Ruth and her husband lived in Bethlehem, but they left the house of bread. Be careful when you leave the house of bread where you head to because they actually headed to a wash pot was the name of Moab. It's the interpretation of Moab. And they thought they were going to do well and fare well and they lost most everything down in Moab. It's always a downward spiral when you get out of God's perfect will. Amen. I'm preaching better than some of you nodding. Hey, amen. If your neighbor's asleep, slug him one. Good one. Amen. Wake him up. I'm telling you, they needed to get back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Be careful where you move your family. You want to be where the bread of life is being declared. Bethlehem, they return, they're poor, and they're gleaning the edges of the field of a rich man. Everybody say Boaz. Boaz was a rich man. He owned lands and properties and fields. And according to the Old Testament, you had to allow the poor to glean the edges of the field. And so they would glean the edges, and that gave them a sustenance enough to, make, make, uh, to have bread to eat. And so they gleaned the edges of the field. This particular harvest time, it was the harvest of corn. And they were gleaning the edges of the field, and they were barely making it enough to survive. And so... Uh, in verse 3, she gets cleaned up. R Ruth gets cleaned up and she anoints herself. I want to tell you, friends, you need to come out of your, out of your lostness, out of, out of your waywardness. You need to get cleaned up and you need to get anointed with the Holy Ghost. Uh, there, there's a Boaz waiting for somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say Boaz. Ruth slips in now Boaz at this time because they wanted to watch over their harvest he slept there with the harvest and he slept with the, with the piles of corn there and this in no way was a sexual impropriety she slips in beside him at his feet uncovers his feet and lays down at his feet now watch this at midnight you know, there are some wonderful midnights in the scripture. When you, you've been down so long, you don't know how to get up. You, you just got to get to a place where though you know the blessings and the favor and the goodness of God. Is. She slips to the feet of Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Boaz. And she gets to the feet of Boaz and lays there at his feet. And at midnight, he wakes up. What's that smell? Don't smell like corn. Amen. She done anointed herself. He looks down and at his feet, and it says he was afraid. Ruth, in not a sexual manner at all, had slipped in there at his feet. Say, I, I am here to serve. I am here to, to, to just be available and asking for your covering and asking for your blessing. I want to tell you, friends, uh, there needs to be a spirit of servitude, a spirit of humbling ourselves in the church today as we're at the midnight hour. And she comes to the feet of Boaz, and he wakes up, and he gives her a plan. And wait till morning, he tells her. I'm telling you, at midnight, uh, Ruth was experiencing and finding a, a kinsman redeemer because she owned a parcel of land but was too poor to even farm that land. 
Boaz the next day goes into the gates of the city and he takes off his shoe and he makes covenant with the, with the other men of the city that somebody's got to buy this land and somebody's got to raise up children uh, through, through Ruth to the testimony of her husband and family. And none of the others wanted to buy the land and the wife. And he does. And Boaz, everybody say Boaz, becomes a kinsman redeemer. I just want to encourage you, wait on your Boaz. All of you single people, wait on your Boaz. Boaz has got a lot of relatives and you don't need the relatives. You need Boaz, amen. You need to wait, everybody say Boaz. You need to stay away from his relatives, broke as, poe as, lying as, cheating as, drunk as, cheap as, locked up as, good for nothing as, and even his cousin jacked up as. You need to wait on your Boaz. God has a Boaz for you, a kinsman redeemer, that if you'll be faithful in the midnight hours, he'll send you a Boaz. Somebody say amen. amen. But watch this. Because she waited on Boaz, God took her from gleaning the edges to owning the fields. You just need a right kinsman redeemer in your life. Amen. And he's come to redeem us from the curse of the law. He who became sin for us. He has redeemed us. He is our redeemer. Point number three. Midnight direction that Paul received. Acts 27. 27. I want the worship team to come. Paul is a prisoner on a ship headed to Rome. He gives a word to the captain. The captain does not listen to him. The Holy Ghost had revealed to Paul that the voyage would be wrong and it would be much damage done. They were leaving, departing on a holy day. Be careful what you do on holy days. Don't persist. Don't get out in the sea of life out of God's will. For in 2714, a hurricane comes upon them, or Eurocladon. They throw everything overboard. Verse 20, all hope is gone. Verse 21, Paul gets up and he says, I told you so. Paul gets up in verse 21 and he says, you should have listened. Watch this now. They had departed from the port of Clauda. And they ended up on Malta. That is a distance of 475 miles that for 14 days a hurricane is driving their ship. Someone here, you feel like circumstances have been driving you and pressing you. And, and you, you have not been able to determine the right course and, and, and things have just not happened the way you planned for, for 14 days. 475 miles, 266 people on board this ship. But at midnight, they see land. The Spirit of God spoke to me Monday morning when I was reading that passage. 
Because he reminded me, how do you see land at midnight in the midst of a hurricane? It's got to be God's hand and God helping illuminate things to cause you to see land. And they begin to... Uh, to test the waters, how deep they were, and they begin to understand at midnight uh, they were getting close to land. They had not eaten in days. And Paul gets up and he says, you need to take on some sustenance now. Or if you will stay with the ship, no one will be killed. No loss of life will take place. God spoke to me and gave me a word that it's important because the storms are, are coming to our nation. The storms are coming in these last days. We're going to see the earthquakes. We're going to see uh, the things take place as we near the coming of the Lord. You need to stay with the ship. Do you know that in this passage they cut away every lifeboat? Uh, it's not going to be good enough to get in lifeboat A, get in lifeboat B. You need to be in the ship of Zion. You need to stay in. Paul said stay in the ship and you won't lose your life. Stay in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in these last days as we get close to the coming of the Lord. At midnight, Paul gives them a word. I never knew there were so many midnight illustrations through the scripture. But at midnight, he says, stay with the ship. And they obeyed. And he says, I believe God. At midnight, the word was confirmed and land was sighted at midnight. I just believe the Holy Ghost is going to give some spiritual illumination. If you will open your eyes, God anoint our eyes with, with, with eye salve that we can see spiritually in these last days. At midnight, they found land. At midnight, 266 souls were saved. At midnight, God wants to give you very specific instruction and direction and help you to see land and help you to stay in his church. Don't fall out. In conclusion, Jonah's name I haven't mentioned this since the first Sunday of June, but it meant dove. He was the dove man. His dad's name was Amittai, meaning truth. And the dove man came speaking the truth. And the Holy Ghost is the author of truth, the spirit of truth. Nineveh had 40 days. Their midnight was upon them. America is in her midnight. I don't know how long we have, but I know we're in our midnight. Prayer and fasting are urgent. Prayer and fasting are urgent. And if you have seen brothers and sisters fall out of the window, you need to go embrace them. And you need to get them back in the boat. The attack on the church is growing greater. And I want everyone to stand. Please, no one leave. But I want you to listen. In the 1500s in Russia, Ivan the Terrible ruled. I want you to watch this. He ruled for over 50 years. In fact, 54 years. He had to commandeer religion to do so, however. Lenin and Stalin learned history well because history repeats itself. And so they learned that to control a nation, you've got to control a nation's faith and destroy the basis of faith. And they abolished religion. And Russia was in communist oppression for over 70 years. 
Hitler took control of Germany in 1933 and the state or, or the church stood in his way. The church stood in his way. He used the Gestapo to interfere with the church. But there were people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer that stood up and articulated the stance of the church. And he said the church must speak truth to power or it will be co-opted by power. Dietrich Bonhoeffer got it right when he said the church has to be an independent moral agent holding forth the word of God against every creed and institution of humankind. Obeying the word of God above all else. The church must be a threat to established institutions by preaching and living out the word of God daily. Otherwise, we face irrelevance. You see, friends, the church's responsibility is to not be popular in 2015, but it's to stand in the gap, it's to make a difference. To understand that the future of, of America rests solely in the hands of the Lord's church. And preaching this good news, living this good news, being salt, being light in this hour. And God has given us a vision to arise when gross darkness is coming to, to the earth. And gross darkness is coming, covering the people. God's word says in Isaiah 60, Arise and shine, thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Gentiles will flow to the light, and kings to the brightness of the rising. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to remind you, in Samson's midnight sin, God gave him another chance. Now he repented after his eyes were plucked out and God used him and the Spirit of God came back on him and he destroyed, he actually killed more in his death than he'd killed all of his 20 years of being a judge. God used him once again. Sir, God can use you again, but you gotta repent. You gotta forsake your sin. You gotta call on the Lord. Ruth found her kinsman redeemer at midnight. Samson was delivered at midnight. Paul and his shipmates received direction at midnight. And if you're here this morning and you know there's a spiritual need in your life and things are going on, maybe you've, you've missed God's will or you've failed God in an area of your life and you want prayer, I want you to hold your hand up unashamedly right now all across this room. If you have missed God, God bless you in the back. God bless you in the back. God bless you down front. God bless you right here down front. Amen. God bless you, sir. God bless you three up in the balcony here to my right. Maybe you're here on this Sunday morning. God bless you right down front. Maybe you're here on this Sunday morning. You're not saved. You're not born again. Or maybe you're the one that's fallen out of the window and you're backslidden. You just went to sleep on the things of God and the end time events. You went to sleep. And you've fallen out of the window and you've become a corpse. This church is here to embrace you. There are people that want to love you and want to help you back into the fold and the ark of safety. 
If you're a backslider and you want to be remembered in prayer, I want you to hold your hand up right now. Raise your hand so I'll see you. God bless you, ma'am, in the middle. Amen. What about it? God bless you up in the balcony. Amen to my right. God bless you, sir, down here to my left. Amen. God bless you in the very back. Amen. God bless you in the very back over here. I want every person that wants to give their life to Jesus you want to make a fresh start this morning you want the forgiveness of sins in your life if you fail God this week you need to come on this invitation because I'm, I'm, I'm declaring mercy and I'm declaring grace and I'm declaring that in your midnight he'll forgive you and save you from what's about to happen at daylight but you got to respond I want you to move from where you're standing. I want you to meet me at this altar right now. Come on. From all over this sanctuary, hands were up. And I want everybody that lifted your hand, I want you to come. Come on. Come from the balcony. God bless all three of you that raised your hand. But you got to come. you gotta make a, you got to make a stance of faith. you got to believe that today I'm going to give my life to God. I'm going to start a new start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand for Christ in this hour. Come on. God bless you. Come on, let's give these folk a hand. Amen. God bless you. I want every person that you have failed Christ this week. You have failed Christ this week. You've allowed some kind of sin in your life. I want you to come to the front right now for prayer. You need to get this under the blood of Jesus. Come on. If you fail the Lord, this church is not here in condemnation at all. We're here preaching forgiveness. We're here preaching the mercy of God. We're here preaching that God loves us. Amen. And he wants to restore us. Come on. Come on, church. I want you to give these folk a hand. This takes honesty. Amen. This is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better in the name of the Lord. The forgiveness of God is all over us this morning. Amen. Come on. From the balcony. From under the balcony. Every head bowed. Daddy, God knows. God knows. God knows. God knows. And he's calling. Morning is coming. Morning is coming. Daylight is very near. Daylight is very near. Somebody else needs to come to this altar and you need to find forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. 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 I feel we got to wait just a moment.
Do not wait for the temptation. For I draw you now to come near, now to overcome you, now to empower you by my spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Friends, one more call. If you need to be in these altars, I ask you in Jesus' name, he who went to the cross to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, he will save you, he will restore you, he will spare you, he will show mercy to you, but you must come in Jesus' name. Everyone repeat this prayer. Dear God in heaven, I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is the Son of God. I confess my sins. I repent of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, for forgiveness and cleansing. I accept by faith that you are washing my sins as far as the east is from the west. And that by Jesus' name, I am free. I am free. Indeed, I am free. For those sins will be remembered no more against my account. In your name, I praise you. Everybody say amen. I want you to watch this. Someone came to me this week said, Pastor, I've been saved a number of years. But I just can't get free of the remembrance of how, how bad I failed God, my sins of the past. I said, what are you talking about? God doesn't remember them. They're put under the blood. They're removed as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. Why do you keep allowing the devil to harass your mind and your spirit? You are free and free indeed. And whom the sun sets free. Whom the sun sets free. I'm telling you, there's no perfect person in, under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or on live stream. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God who gives us freedom. In Jesus' name. Come on. Sing it, everybody lift your hands and praise the Lord. Bow your Oh,